So this parable's it's a pretty well-known parable. Like we've we've probably heard at some point, you're probably somewhat familiar with this idea that there was a shepherd with 99, 100 sheep and 99 were fine, but one had gone astray and he went and ran that other one down. He, he left the 99 to go find the one. It's a, it's a pretty well-known story that Jesus tells. Now, most of us, and you may not even realize this, but most of us think of that story in the context of Luke's gospel. And in Luke's gospel, Jesus tells that story, and then he follows it with a story about a, a lady who lost a coin. She had 10 silver coins, and she lost one, and she cleaned the house. She swept the house to look for that coin. And then he follows that story with a story of a, uh, of a younger son who uh, went wayward. The prodigal son is what we call him. And those three stories Jesus told in Luke uh, come together to kind of illustrate this one point. Now, here's, here's what I found really interesting this week, is in Luke, and, and this is like a Bible study tip for you guys, like you, you got to look at all the details. You got to look at the, the context, obviously, and, and then you even look at the audience. And in Luke, when Jesus tells those three stories, starting with the 90, leaving the 99, go and find the one, He's, he's talking mainly to an audience of Pharisees and scribes in Luke 15. The tax collectors and other sinners were gathering towards around Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes came in, and they started grumbling and complaining. Who is this guy? Why does he let these people hang around him? And so he starts telling these stories, kind of showing the Pharisees how he came to seek and to save the lost, and he's, he's, he's going after the wayward sheep. He's going after the wayward child. And so the context of that story is evangelistic. He's trying to show the Pharisees and the scribes that he has a heart for the lost sheep, the lost person. In Matthew, which is where we are, Matthew 18, it's a different context and a different audience. This is not a retelling of the same story. This is Jesus using the same story in a different context for a different point. In Matthew, if you look back at Matthew 18, verse 1, it says the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him a question. Who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? Remember, the disciples were arguing about that. They were trying to figure that out all the time. They're asking that question. And in that context, Jesus begins to answer their question. He begins to talk about the faith of a little child. You need to, he put a child in front of him. He said, you need to have faith like a little child. That's, that's who's the greatest in the kingdom is those of us who are faith. We're all on equal ground because of our faith. And so in this context, he just continues that. He talks about how dangerous it would be, like how, how horrible it would be if you cause a disciple, another, another Christ follower to sin. And then he talks about the seriousness of sin. And so in that context, he is talking, not evangelistically, listically, whatever that word is. So he's, he's not talking in that context. He's talking pastoral. He, he's talking about Christ followers that have gone astray. In fact, the wordings are even different. In Luke, he talks about a lost sheep, and here he talks about a sheep that's gone astray, that's wandered off. And so, because of the different audiences, we, we kind of start to see this context. We see this is a different story. This is, it's, it's the same story with a different point. He's trying to make a different point for us. And so, when you see that, I think it's good to kind of say, okay, so now that we know this is different, there's a different audience. This is really him talking to the church, the future church that he's, he's establishing. He's talking to his disciples about how they should treat each other. Then it gives us this statement we can make that will inform the rest of our understanding of this passage. Once we see the context, we see the audience, we see what he's doing here, then we can say, okay, so this is the direction this is going. This is where we're going to learn. This is what we're going to learn from this passage. So let me say it this way. Jesus is the good shepherd 
and the little ones are his sheep. And so that's just kind of a, a statement that's kind of, I'm going to use it to kind of override this passage and inform how we're going to see what Jesus is trying to teach us here, that, that Jesus is the good shepherd, pointing us to him as the good shepherd, and the little ones are his sheep. You see this phrase in verse 10 and, and again in verse 14 where he calls these people the little ones, and he's not talking about little ones. He's not talking about children. He's talking about people with childlike faith. He's talking about all of us. He's talking about disciples, followers of Jesus. They are the little ones. They are the sheep. And so he's pointing us to this truth that he is the good shepherd. <clears throat> now, that's a, that's a cool concept. If you stop and think about how many times this image is given to us in the Bible, it's, it's quite often that this, this image of God, and there's lots of different images that the Bible gives us, but this is one of the predominant themes in our Bibles, that the God is the ultimate good shepherd. When Jesus shows up, he proclaims, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They know my voice. They follow me. I'm the good shepherd. We're going to talk about that later. But like, this is an image that we see all throughout Scripture. And it leads us to this idea, right? Like, we are the sheep. We're the followers. And then there's so much about that that's really good. There's so much of that about that that's really like comforting to us, even attractive to us. When we read Psalm 23, the, the shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. I shall not lack anything. He's going to give me everything I need. He's going to He's going to make me lay down in green pastures, lie down in green pastures. He's going to lead me beside quiet, still waters. He's going to put my feet on the right path, the path of righteousness for his name's sake. There's so much about being a sheep and Jesus, God being our unbelievably perfect shepherd that is comforting and encouraging to us. But... If you know anything about sheep, it should, like, round out the whole picture. Because sheep are not the, like, they're not the smartest animals out there, guys. And sheep have this tendency to wander off. And what, one of the things this is teaching us is that we're the sheep. Like, we are the sheep. And that there's so much good about following the great shepherd. But there's this reality that the shepherd has a lot of work to do. And I, I, I think you need to think about that. You need to think both sides of this thing. And you remember how much we wander off. And there was a video that went around a few months ago, became like a viral video. If you haven't seen it, you're going to enjoy it because it shows us, in my opinion, exactly what this looks like. So check out this video of what it looks like to be a sheep. <laughs> 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 Guys, that's who we are. I mean, the Bible's telling us that we're, like, we're the sheep. And, and that's just the reality is that we have this tendency to wander off. Like, we, oh, man, we find ourselves in a, in, a, in a complete ditch. We can't get out. Here comes a shepherd. He pulls us out, and we run right back and jump in the same thing again. Like, that's, that's a part of this picture that the Bible's giving us about him being the good shepherd and us being the little ones, the sheep. And so 
That is the picture I think we need to get in our minds as we try to learn from the story that Jesus is telling today. What is he trying to tell us? Now, you guys know, because you've been around for a while, you know that the, the, this Christianity thing, this Christian faith that we have, it's not about rules. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship. Uh, we, don't, we don't do anything to earn our way to God, and we don't like, cut out things to make us more acceptable to God. That's not, what, that's not what this is about. But every now and then what you see is because of what God has done for us, because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, it, it should elicit some responses that start to look a little bit like do's and don'ts. And so today I have some do's and don'ts for you based on what Jesus is teaching us. And I'm going to start with the don'ts for obvious reasons. It's just one don't and one do, really. And so the first thing that he's teaching us based on this principle of him being the, the great shepherd and us being the sheep is that we should not despise the sheep. So the don't is don't despise the sheep. <clears throat> That's interesting, right? That's what he says in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Despise means to look down on. It means to look with contempt. It, it's looking at someone who's not doing something right, and that may be just the way that you view the world. It's not, not the way I see it. And you begin to look at them differently. You begin to look at them with contempt. You look, look at them with scorn. You're despising them. You look down. And what happens is we tend to write people off when we see that. Just speaking hypothetically, right? I mean, that, that doesn't really happen. <laughs> or, or our cultures become amazing at it. Like, that's one of the things Americans are great at these days. It's like, well, they don't believe the same way I believe, and so I'm going to write them off forever. Like, that's, it's a problem that Jesus is addressing because we all have that temptation. We all have that tendency. Every single one of us, we see somebody that's not where we think they ought to be, not doing what we think they ought to be doing, and we have this tendency in us to look down upon them to despise them. And so Jesus is trying to remind us, hey, don't despise one of Jesus' disciples. So maybe the culture outside is doing that left and right, but in the church, it ought to be different. Don't despise one of these little ones. Don't despise the sheep. So one of the ways that I think that we can fight against that temptation, one of the ways that I think we can avoid that in some ways is to remember that we're all on this journey together. The, the Christian life is, is constantly a journey. It's not, hey, we were separated from Christ because of our sin, and then we put our faith and trust. Jesus sought us as a lost sheep, and we put our faith and trust in him and him alone, and now we're all good. Now, that's, that point of salvation, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus and him alone, that point is the beginning of a journey. And the journey continues all the way until we get to go to heaven. Like that journey, we're constantly trying to become more like Christ, grow in our relationship with him, and we're all on this journey together. So I have a scale that I want you to see that I think will help us a little bit. I wanted you to imagine this scale, but I want you to see it. If, if a one on the scale is just getting started, that means someone that just came to faith, they just started their journey with Christ, they just came to the place where they put their faith and trust in Jesus and him alone for their salvation, that's a one. And over here is 10, fully following. I'm not even sure there's anybody like there, right? But that's the life goals for us. So try to get to where we're fully following Jesus and everything. This scale should remind us that we're all over the map. 
in this room, there's people on every part of this journey, every level. I believe a healthy church should look like that. I, I believe that's a healthy picture. There should be people in our church that are just getting started. There should be people that have taken a couple steps in their journey. And there should be people that are moving along. And when you start to see it this way and you realize this is what a healthy church looks like, there's people all over the place. There's people sitting next to you. There's people sitting in front of you, sitting behind you that they might be a little bit ahead of you. They might be right beside you. They might be a little bit behind you. And you start to see it this way, it becomes a little bit easier not to despise someone because they're in a different place. You go, man, we're all on the journey. We're all moving towards 10. But we're all not there yet. So I'm going to look back at, at other people, and maybe some of the sevens need to begin to mentor some of the threes. And we have that going on. We have discipling going on, but it needs to be an active part of how we see this whole thing so we're not despising people that are a little bit behind. When you see someone that's a little bit behind and they're stuck, which happens to sheep from time to time, they stop moving in the right direction, and they need some prodding, and they need, like, then it's so easy to look down on them. I don't know why that guy doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it, and we're done, and we're ready to move on. And then we go, no, wait, this is, we're all on a journey. We're doing this together, this journey together. We're all trying to move together, and it's okay that all of us are in different places. That is, I think it should be a healthy picture of the church. I think it's also healthy if you recognize that you are on a different place than other people in our body. I, I think that you ought to, like, I think if you're at a two or three, you just kind of started out and you've taken some new steps on this, I think it's okay to recognize that because what we should be doing is going, but here's the goal, here's where we're all going. And it's okay to go, yeah, I'm not, I just started this. I'm just figuring this out. I'm trying to move along. You should be welcome here in every way to come in here and let's figure this out together. I mean, I'll be honest, we're talking about that. Like, as, as elders, we're talking about we don't see everybody in the same place and expect you to all be in the same place. We're like, yeah, we got people that are just starting out, people that are taking a few steps, people that are taking a lot of steps, people that can lead, whatever. Like, that's just a part of a healthy church, of us understanding it and recognizing it even in ourselves. It helps us not to despise someone that's a little bit behind or a different step or a different stage of the journey. We're all moving. Let's, all just, let's do what we can to keep moving, even if it's baby steps. So Jesus says, don't despise the sheep. And then in this passage, he gives us some, maybe some reasons to consider not despising the sheep, some, some evidence, motivation, if you will. And the first thing he says, if you look back at verse 10, he says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. And he says this, for I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What? I mean, what does that mean? I don't know. Let's just skip it. <laughs> That's kind of confusing, right? Like, what, what is he talking about? Angels? Like, we barely even understand that there are angels, right? So now he's saying that they have access to the face of the Father. It's kind of crazy. We won't really skip it. Let me tell you what I think it means. I, well, let me tell you this. It, it doesn't mean that every single one of us has a guardian angel, like just one. Some, somewhere, that, somewhere along the way, that thought came into the idea of Christianity, and it became like teaching, teaching of some sort. But that's not a biblical teaching. This is not a passage that's teaching that you, as a Christ follower, have one guardian angel. Can you just imagine that whole, like if you just play that out, 
I mean, my guardian angel's following me around with his face palm, right? Like, that's what he's doing most of the time. Like, you just got one guy, and he's, man, poor angel. He was assigned to you. Like, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually teaches something cooler than that. The Bible teaches that multiple angels are always working on behalf of all the believers. That there's like an army, squadron of angels that are working on your behalf, which is really, really cool. But we love Romans 8.28. God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's really probably the work of angels. Like they're always at work on behalf of the believer in the spiritual battle that's going on to make sure things are working out for good. God sends, he employs angels as his messengers to work on behalf of Christ's followers. That's a really cool concept. But it's not really the point of what Jesus is saying here. It seems like what he's saying here is he's like reminding them, hey, you know that all the angels that are working on behalf of all the Christ followers, they have access to the Father. They, 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 they can go in and talk to him face to face. So you shouldn't despise any of them. I mean, it's angels work on behalf of all the sheep. That's what he's so he's teaching that don't despise the sheep. Why? Because there's angels that work on behalf of all the sheep, even the ones that are way down there at a two and they've been there for a while. Even the ones that are a little bit behind you and they haven't figured out everything that you've figured out yet. Angels are working on their behalf, and those angels have access to God the Father. So think about that when you when you despise. Think about that when you scorn. Think about that when you write someone off that's in the body. And so Jesus has given that almost like a warning. Don't despise the sheep. Angels work on behalf of all the sheep. Here's another good reminder. Don't despise the sheep because we are all sheep. You understand, when we're talking about sheep, we're not talking about all the other people, all the threes. And then they, they grow up and become cows. I don't, what, that, that's like we're, we're all sheep. We're all on the journey. We all have a tendency to wander away Every single one of us. Why? Because we're a sheep. We, I'm out of this ditch and I jump in the next one. That's what we tend to do. And so we need to remember we're all sheep. Let me, let me help us understand what that looks like. That, it, sometimes I think we think of it this way. Like, there, like it's almost like this one sheep. There was 100 sheep and 99 of them were fine, but there's one and he's like a middle school sheep. And he's over there going, if I can just, man, as soon as that shepherd... Turns his back. I'm a fake like I'm eating some grass. And that shepherd, he's going to, as soon as somebody distracts him, and he's, oh, he's distracting, I'm out of here. And we bolt. It's like we think that the sheep's just waiting all of his life for the shepherd to turn his back, and he's running as far away as he can. Now, sometimes that is what happens. But that is not what most often happens. Not for me, not for you. What most often happens is that sheep... It's like, this is pretty good grass. And then, oh, look, there's some other grass. Oh, there's a flower. And he takes one step in this direction and one step in this direction, a little nibble here and a little nibble there. And then the shepherd's calling him back, and he's not listening to that voice anymore. He's, no, but look at these flowers and look at this grass and look at this. And then before he knows it, all these different little bitty steps, and he gets way over here and he turns around and he's like, wait, where did everybody go? because he's wandered way off the path. Why? One little bad step 
after another led them to that point. That's what happens for us. Very few of us are like, as soon as I can, I'm running. Most of us are like, this won't be a big deal. This won't be a big deal. And we keep taking steps like that, justifying in our heads, so we're way far removed from the flock, and we're lost. We're astray. We're all like that. We all have that tendency. So remember, we're all sheep. Then you, it's so much easier not to despise someone else that's straying when you remember the times that you've strayed and you remember how it works. That person that's straying didn't decide, most likely, I'm going to run far away. It was a little step and a little compromise that got them there, and so I'm not going to despise them. I'm going to try to go get them. Don't despise the sheep because Jesus loves and cares for all of his sheep. That's kind of the point of the story. He doesn't just love the 99 that stayed. He loves the one that went astray. So much that he's going to go. He's going to leave the 99 to go get the one. Because he loves and cares for all of his sheep. All of them. Every single one of them. What does he say here? He says, the shepherd, when he finds the one and brings him back, he's going to rejoice more over the one that was found that was astray, that has been brought back. He's going to rejoice more over that one than the, than the 99 that stayed. Think about that for a second. What does that mean? That, It doesn't mean he loves the one more than the 99. It means that the one was in trouble. The one was in trouble and he needed more attention. And when the one's in trouble has been brought back in the right place, it's a cause for celebration. It's a cause for rejoicing. If you have more than one kid, you know this, right? If you have more than one kid, you know that one of them's always in trouble. I mean, it's just the way it works. I have four kids. One of them's always in trouble. The advantage I have is that I have four kids, so if I have one in trouble, I'm still doing pretty good. 75%'s not bad. You, got, you, just, you just got two kids, one of them's in trouble, you're failing. Okay? Just breaking the news to you, 50%'s not that great. So when one kid is in trouble and you give them some extra time and some extra attention, you, like, I, I, need, to, I need to spend some more prayer whatever it is, and you see them come back, it's a cause for celebration. It's not because you love that kid more than the, than the ones that aren't in trouble at that moment. <laughs> they'll, they'll be in trouble next. It's because there's attention that's needed, and so there's rejoicing that, that, that corresponds with it. Jesus loves and cares for all the sheep. And when one's in trouble, he knows it, and he wants to bring them back. And when that one comes back, there's rejoicing. So don't despise the sheep. Don't, don't forget that you are a sheep and you wander and you stray and thus don't despise it. So that's the don't. Let's turn it into a do. What, what should we do in response to what Jesus is teaching us here? And I think, it's, I think it's this. Do go after sheep that have gone astray. Do go after sheep that have gone astray. That's the story. 100 sheep, 99 of them are fine. One has gone astray. He leaves the 99 to go get the one. So why? Why does he do that? Well, I think you can see some evidence here. I think there's some things that can inform our need to go after sheep that have gone astray. First is this. Jesus values that one stray sheep. 
It's the same thing as what we just talked about. He loves and cares for all of his sheep, so he values that one stray sheep. He's going to rejoice when that one stray sheep comes back because he loves and cares for it. There's so much value that he places on the one stray sheep. So what, what I'm asking you to do, and I, what I think Jesus is asking all of us to do, is to adopt his heart towards the stray sheep. We don't despise them. We're going to go after them because Jesus values them, so we're going to value them. So we go after the sheep that's gone astray because Jesus values the one stray sheep. Jesus pursues that stray sheep. That's kind of what he's telling us here. But have you thought about how he does that or why he does that? We know, we know why, but the how is through his people. Jesus pursues the stray sheep by sending his people. Jesus is, he was on this earth. He ministered on this earth. He had this ministry. Then they, he, he was crucified. He died on a cross. He came out of the grave, and then he ascended to the Father. And now he's left us as his hands and feet to carry out his work, to carry out his mission. And so Jesus wants to pursue the lost sheep. He wants to pursue the stray, wandering sheep. How does he do that? By sending us, by sending his people. You understand who Jesus is and what he's done, and you say, yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to go after the lost sheep. So when somebody's wandering away, I need to go after them. Jesus is pursuing all the wanderers through us, through his people. And so that leads me to make this statement that I think is really, really important for us, and that is this. It should be hard at cross point for sheep to go astray. It should be hard. It should be hard at this church, and I, I would say that about any church. I'm just making it real specific for us today. It should be hard for someone who's engaged here at Cross Point to wander away. Not, not that we're not going to do it, not that we're not going to try. It's just like we should create a culture here. That's the goal. Let's create a culture here where when somebody starts wandering away, we see it, we recognize it, and we go after them. It should be hard. It should be extremely difficult for someone to just slip unnoticed away from the fold, away from the flock, and move out and just be gone. That should almost be impossible if we're really doing this. Now, please understand, that's not because your pastors are so great that any of the wandering sheep are going to, like, your pastors are going to go seek them, chase them down. Like, if that's the case, let's get this back to 100 people because that's about more than I can manage right there. As God allows this thing to grow, and we want to do what Jesus is talking about, we want to have this culture where we're going after, like that means that we all have that responsibility, that we're all going to go after the lost sheep, that we're going to see each other, we're going to see our friends, we're going to see people in our community groups that begin to wander. They begin to take that one little step here and that one little step there, and we're going to say, no, 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 I'm going to go after them. That's how this is going to work. It's going to work when we all understand that's all our responsibility. Every member here is a minister. You're engaged here. You're serving here. We want you in community group because that's where this happens. It's going to be really hard in this room for you to know that that person over there might be stepping away, might be wandering. But when you're in community with people and you're seeing them on a regular basis and you know what's going on in their lives and you start to see them take those steps, it becomes a lot easier. We're creating that culture where it's hard to wander. It's hard to go astray here. I say, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, I noticed you haven't served in a while. I know you've stepped out of leadership. I know you're not doing this anymore. Where have you been? What's, what's going on? Have priorities changed in your life? Has something shifted? Has something got out of order so that that's become more important than you being a part of this body? And we're starting to ask these questions. It'll work when we all understand that. But, but let me tell you this. 
it'll really only work when you understand that you can be on both sides of this thing. That it's not always going to be you going out and getting that wandering sheep. Sometimes you're the one who's wandering and somebody's going to come to you. And that sounds really, really easy when I say it like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel easy when someone comes and has that conversation with you, does it? Now it makes you feel defensive. Well, why would they say that to me? How dare they ask a question like that of me? They're questioning my motives. No, 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 no. We got to stop thinking that way. We got to start thinking, that person is asking me that question. That person is sharing that with me because they care about me. I bet it was really, really hard for that person to have that conversation with me. I bet they were sweating through their shirt thinking about this conversation. But I bet they did it because they care so much. And until we figure out that, until we realize that, until we start thinking about that, like I bet people that have come to me when I've wandered have my best interest at heart. I don't know if this will ever work. But man, when you do, you got people in your life, and I'm, I'm not talking about just anybody. I'm talking about people that you're doing life with, and you've given them permission to speak into your life like that. And they see you wandering, and they come and they address it with you. And you respond like, hey, I, need to, I need to consider that. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. This thing will start to work. That's what Jesus is talking about. We're not despising each other. We're helping each other. We're encouraging each other. I'm going to come to you when you're wandering because I'm really, really hoping that you'll come to me when I'm wandering. I'm probably going to wander. I got a temptation always to go astray, one little step. And I need you to say it. I need you to point it out. I need you to ask me hard questions and us to be okay with that. It should be hard at cross point for sheep to go astray. I think we, we, we need to be okay with that. Whatever, whatever the awkwardness that is developed in our culture from that, we need to like figure out a way to push through it. We need to be okay with asking each other hard questions. If we don't see you for a while, you need to be okay with somebody coming up, hey, where you been? What's going on? Why are you not engaged? What, what's, what's the problem? Like, wh- how can I help you get reengaged here? How, how can I help you reconnect? Like, we need you here. Someone not serving? Like, every, every Christian should be served. Every member of the church should, should have a role to serve. We're all the body. We all have a function. So, like, when you're not serving, when you've disengaged from serving, and I'm, it's okay. Take time off from time. Like, whatever. I'm just talking about consistently over time. Like, you've pulled away. Like, we should have these conversations. It should be okay. If, you, if you're not giving to the church, we, we should be able, be able to have those conversations, shouldn't we? Not because the church needs your money. God doesn't need your money either. But something about giving is a, is a discipleship issue. Something about giving is saying, God owns everything, and I'm going to give. I'm going I'm to give because I need to give. Where your treasure is, your heart is. I want, my tre- I want my heart to be with my church and God's people, so I'm going to give. And so when we have those conversations, it shouldn't be awkward. It should be like, hey, we know this having giving. Is there a problem? Is there something we can help? Is there a need? We've had those conversations, and they've actually gone better than you're thinking they, they do. People have actually thanked us for having those conversations. As a church, that ought to be our culture. It should be hard to wander and go astray here. And man, my prayer is that we would do that. We would all embrace that. It would be our responsibility to watch each other's back, not despise, not look down. We're all on the journey together. We're moving together. I know that's kind of heavy. 
So let me turn this thing to a motivation for us. Let me, let me turn it to a place where we can see the motivation. First, let me show you a passage in James. James 5.19 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's pretty good. I love how it covers both sides. It kind of assumes that you're both. If any of you wanders, and then if you brings him back, we're, we're going to be both sides of that. And then it just says, it's a pretty big deal. That sounds, those words sound like a big deal to me. So this is a big responsibility. So why would we do that? Well, you know the answer to that around here is always the same. The answer is Jesus. Here's the answer I think that we can cling to today. Jesus is the good shepherd to us so we can be good shepherds to others. You're not going to do that because you think that Pastor Shu told you to do it or it's, that's, a good, that's a good way to live. Like you're going to do that when you really understand what Jesus has done for you. When you understand that every single time you and I wander away, Jesus comes and seeks us to bring us back. Every single time. He never despises us. He never gives up. He never writes us off. He's always pursuing us, bringing us, wooing us, calling us back. Always, always, always. No matter how far we go, he's always pulling us back. That's who he is. He's the good shepherd. When you, when you start to understand that, it, it, it starts to produce the transformation from the inside out of, I, I, can, I can be a shepherd to others. I can go and help my, I can have these heart hard conversations. I can receive these hard conversations. Why? Because what Jesus has done for me. When I was lost and separated and completely cut off from all this, he pursued me, chased me down. He died on the cross to make a way where there was no way, took my place on the cross. He is the good shepherd. And because he's the good shepherd to us, we can be good shepherd to others. Here's how he said it. Can't get any more clear than this. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what he does. Why is he the best shepherd? Why is he the greatest shepherd? Because he laid his life down for the sheep. He did that. So you can trust him. Why do you follow him? Because he laid down his life for the sheep. There's no shepherd that will do that. He's the only one. So we can trust him, we can follow him, and we can be a good shepherd to others because of what he's done for us as the ultimate good shepherd. A lot of you guys have checked out that book, Gentle and Lowly, this year. It's a phenomenal book because it just points us to Jesus' heart towards us as sinners, as wanderers, as sheep, over and over, reminds us of how he approaches us. Here's a quote from that book by Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly. So great. Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary, or easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. He's a good shepherd. Every time we wander and we get so far away, he doesn't point fingers. I told you so. See? It's like, come back. There's green pasture over here. There's still waters over here. This is a path of righteousness. It's over here. Come back. 
open arms because he's the good shepherd. We can follow him. And as we follow him, we can be a good shepherd to each other. That's a pretty good goal. Let's be the church that does that. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. And I want, I want to thank you for the reminder that I needed. That, that, God, you are the good shepherd. And even though I wander, even though I stray, you never, ever, ever give up on me. You don't give up on any of us. You love, care, and value every single sheep. And God, if there's, if there's some of us in here that have been kind of wandering and straying for a while, I pray that you would remind them that you're calling them back with open arms. If some of us in here that have wandered and other sheep have talked to us about it, I pray that you'd help us to receive that well. Some of us in here that need to have some conversations with some friends because we care about them, I pray that you give us everything we need for that. And God, we would do that just simply because you are the great shepherd. Help us to follow you no matter what it looks like, no matter where you lead us. For your glory, God, and our joy on this journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.